Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and it is my pleasure to have you join the conversation today. It's a little bit different. We're all on coronavirus quarantine here in New Jersey, so I'm doing this podcast on my own, my trusted right-hand man and companion, business companion, don't take that the wrong way. Dale Dempsey is at home quarantined in the middle of doing some studying for an exam that we are going to be using to take things in a different direction on a piece of business. So Dale, if you're listening to this thing, good luck. Hope you do a good job. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about some stuff that's been coming up and everybody's putting out information about sort of what's going to be happening coming out of this coronavirus pandemic and what does it mean to the business and there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen. And so, but I wanted to really focus on for this conversation, just one aspect of some changes that I think are going to come out because I'm getting a lot of calls candidly from advisors at these firms and some business owners at some of these firms in terms of looking at options, what's going to be happening. As an entrepreneur, you're trained over time to sort of look in the future, right? To make sure you're anticipating, planning for the worst and hoping for the best. And I think that right now there are a lot of, well, all firms, retail and independent shops, RIAs are looking into the future and planning for the worst, but hoping for the best. And I wanted to just today focus on those smaller firms. I'll call them 150 advisors or less. Maybe one can argue 200 advisors or less, depending on how well they run their businesses. But really, I wanted to focus on what's happening in that world and how I see that business changing. And if you're an advisor at one of those firms, a couple of my suggestions on what you should be doing right now in terms of for yourself, planning for the worst and hoping for the best. And I think the impact of the virus on top of the pending Reg BI is almost like a perfect storm for some of these smaller firms in terms of their margins getting compressed. You can throw in their zero interest rates, which I would argue is because of the virus situation, right? I don't think the Fed was going to go to zero interest rates if we weren't having this issue. So what I see happening with some of these smaller firms is they're really struggling right now to make money and make sure that they have enough money to move forward. And part of it is they're they're not making any money on the money market spreads anymore. Interested at zero firms can't make any money on their overnight spreads. A lot of those smaller firms tend to be more transaction-based firms. So the advisors are doing, whether it's variable annuities, alternative investments, just general brokerage business and advisory business as well. But if you look at assets coming down, assets under management on advisory are coming down, advisors that are transaction-based business, their clients aren't really doing anything because right now you're not buying or selling really. The market sort of collapsed. And if you're able to get out, you got out. But right now I don't see a lot of advisors selling, but I also don't see those advisors buying either because they're not really sure what's going to happen. So their clients are sort of frozen. And in those markets, transaction-based advisors and those firms aren't making any money. That's an issue. On top of that, they're also looking at, so like, what's that going to do to their margins that are already really thin, and now they've gotten worse? On top of that, you have the pending Reg BI coming out, which means that, again, those transaction-based advisors and firms are going to see a compression in their revenue, 
the firms are going to then also have to potentially hire more compliance and operational staff to manage the new Reg BI environment. So that's another increased cost. Forget about the fact that if they do make it through this short period of time, they've realized one thing most of the time, their technology was outdated. Um, outdated. Even if some of these firms were using firms like Fidelity or Pershing and you're using their platforms, right? A lot of these firms just, those aren't great platforms standing on their own. And so to have the ability to bring in other services and other technology platforms is really important. And a lot of these smaller firms just don't want to pay for it. And Or they say, oh, well, the advisor can pay for it. But that's just not how it works at some of those small broker dealers. And so I think that pending technology spend that they're going to have to have if they want to stay in the business is another piece of the puzzle that they have to deal with. And in thinking about these things, and we've gotten some of these calls, some of the owners of these small firms are out doing their due diligence. What are their options going to be as the business owner of a firm with 50, 60, 80, 100 reps, right? What are their options? And the conversations that we're having with a lot of them have to do with consolidating and rolling up into bigger firms that are more capital rich, have the technology, have the services, have the staff to handle the new pending Reg BI. The dance that we're going through is taking them through a due diligence, just like we take an advisor through, because we can show them that they can take a 75-man firm that's their own registered broker-dealer, roll them up into a larger firm. They can get rid of their broker-dealer, just call up through a broker-dealer withdrawal, and they can roll up into the other firm. They're going to get a high payout, call it 95 96 97%. So the larger firm's only making three or four points. When you do the math, that smaller broker-dealer getting 96% or 97%, still paying its reps 90% or 85 or 87 like a lot of them get paid. They can actually, because they can get rid of some staff. Again, I'm not a proponent of always, hey, get, get rid of staff, get rid of staff. But there's a lot of overhead that they won't have to carry anymore, not to mention bringing on new people. So they can do that. And a lot of times, and candidly, almost always that I've done this with firms, they end up making more money, keeping more of the revenue because their overhead goes substantially lower their payout is just as high. And then they have to do less with compliance and oversight and dealing with FINRA because the parent firm, the new firm that they roll up into is going to handle that stuff. And so we're able to show those firms how they can make more money and really sort of get back to doing the things that they love doing by rolling up into a bigger firm. Right now, if you're an advisor at one of those firms, you need to understand that the owner of your firm, whether they tell you they are or not, probably is because they're not stupid. They built a firm because they're smart individuals and a smart individual is doing their due diligence just in case something really does happen and they can't survive. So they're doing that due diligence as we speak. I'm not saying that that's wrong. They should be doing that. And they don't necessarily want to tell you that until the last minute because they don't want you going out and thinking, well, if my firm's going to be selling or whatever, I should do my own due diligence. And so it's this tough spot that that business owner is in, right? Because they want to be honest and forthright with you, but they also don't know that they're going to be doing anything. But if they give an inkling that they might be looking around, then you're going to go look around. And so it's a tough spot for them. And I understand, but they should be doing that. And you should understand as the advisor at that firm that they're doing that. So what does that mean for you? So it means if you're an advisor at one of these smaller firms, you should be doing the same exact thing. You might love the owner of the firm. You've been together for a long time. Maybe you're good friends with that person, but you still owe it to yourself and your family and your clients to do your own due diligence. 
to plan for the worst and hope for the best. Because what you don't want to have happen is you say, Bob's not going to sell. He loves this business. He's not going to do anything. He could love the business and still be in it, but not deal with the crap that you have to deal with as a business owner uh, of a broker dealer and FINRA and all that stuff. But what you don't want is Bob coming to you one day and said, hey, I got great news. We're rolling up into name the firm. Doesn't really matter. And oh, by the way, it's going to be great. And and they're going to sell you on why they're doing this. And maybe they're going to give you a little bit of money to make the move, but it's only going to be a fraction of what they got to sell and to roll up into the new entity. And then they're going to say, and this will be done in like 30 days. It'll be great. There won't be that much paperwork for you to have to do. It's limited paperwork, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a tape-to-tape transfer, all of that stuff. But you have limited time. If you don't act now and start looking at your options, it doesn't mean you have to take them, but you should be looking at them because you don't want to be sort of left hanging without a solution and then having to make a decision at the last minute to move all your clients, even with a tape-to-tape transfer, which is easier, explain to your clients what you're doing. And then you realize six months into this thing that you're at the wrong firm. The owner of your firm, and we've seen this happen, the owner of your firm sold to a bigger firm for the check and not really for the benefit of everybody at the firm. I know that sounds cruel, but I've seen it happen. They don't doesn't care. They have their money in their hand, right? And yes, some of their money is going to be based on success and retention of the advisors, but the bulk of it is going to be coming on over. You need to really do yourself a favor and make sure you're getting out there. If you want to call us, you can call me, 856-316-4651, or you can call Dale, 856-316-4653. You can shoot me an email, frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com. If you want to have that conversation, candidly, if you're a business owner and you're not doing this, you should be doing this for the exact reasons that I said, because you don't want to be caught flat-footed when all of a sudden your margins just collapse. We have solutions for you. Just like I said, that most times we can show a business owner that owns a broker-dealer that they can make more money by rolling up into the right firm where it's good for them and it's good for the advisors at their company and their clients. But I just feel like no one's really talking about this necessarily. You're never going to hear about this at your firm. And maybe if you have a, an advisor group within your organization and some friends that you all know, you guys might be talking about it. But I'm just letting you know it's happening. It's okay that it's happening. There's nothing wrong with the owner of the firm looking around. They should be doing that because the fact is they can make more money if they got rid of their broker-dealer. It's going to be more difficult in the future with Reg BI. Assets are coming down. Advisory fees are coming down. It's going to take some time. And I feel like I've gotten this question asked a lot. You know, No one really has the solution. Everyone trusts the owner of their firms. That's if you work for a small firm. But what happens if you work for a big firm? You work for one of the big wires. They're not going to sell, right? That's true. But they're also looking at their margin spreads. And they're looking at not making any more money on their cash balances, right? That's part of the reason why Morgan Stanley bought E-Trade, $39 billion in cash balances. They want that money. They need that money. But if you're at a bigger firm, they might not be looking into the future to sell. But what they are doing is they're looking at their margins going down, their revenue going down, all of all the advisors' revenue going down for a lot of the same reasons I already talked about, so I don't need to repeat myself. But looking at what can they do to get that revenue back? I've been in the business a long time. And for those of you that have been in the business a long time, I can probably count on one hand and only use half my fingers the amount of times 
a firm increased advisor payouts and lowered their own personal compensation for senior management. It just doesn't happen. And so what they are looking at is, okay, how do we squeeze more blood from the stone? That's advisor comp. I'm telling you right now, they're looking at this stuff. What can we do to reduce a certain subset of advisors and their compensation or take some of the cash payout and and defer it so we can say that they're really not giving a payout reduction because we're deferring some of the money, so it's still yours. They're betting on a number of those people that they defer that cash end up leaving the firm, and then they keep the deferred money, right? It goes back into the profits of the firm. I'm telling you, that's what they do. They are also looking at, okay, what do we do in terms of client fees, account fees? What new model can we come up with? If we can charge a client $5 more on this fee or that fee, times the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of accounts that they have, it can mean X amount of dollars, $25 million extra a quarter. That could make the difference in some of the lost revenue that they were getting on the net margin interest. They're doing these things. If you think that they're not, don't kid yourself. No matter what they say, they're doing these things. So it's like in football. I used to uh, coach youth football for a long time. Loved it. And one day I'll get back to it again. I used to train the kids to, if you're going to go tackle somebody, tackle a running back, don't watch his head. Because he can do anything he wants, shake his head and wiggle his head and, and fake you out. You got to watch their hips and you watch their feet. Your sort of hips don't lie. No matter what they do to their head, if their hips are facing one way, that's where they're going. So what I would tell you is if you're at a wirehouse firm or any retail firm, doesn't mean wirehouse, you need to watch their hips. You need to watch what they're doing, not what they're saying. And you need to be doing the same thing that an independent advisor is doing at a smaller firm. You need to be looking at your options. You need to be planning for the worst and hoping for the best if you're at a firm that you like. The other thing that's going to come out of this is that these firms and advisors at these firms realize that they were woefully ill-prepared for this remote world, working from home. And there's a lot of advisors, and I've gotten lots of calls where advisors that never thought they'd go independent are thinking to themselves, well, you know, I've been doing this now a month from home and actually it's pretty cool. I'm talking to my clients. I'm doing Zoom calls with my clients. It's been great. Maybe I should rethink this independent thing because I'm getting a 40% payout net 38 at my current firm. And if I go independent, you know, I'm going to net between 65 and maybe as high as 70% net after everything. I can do this. LPL just came out with a new platform called the Supported Independent Platform, Supported Independent Platform or Premium Model. And it's designed to help advisors that are in a retail space to lift out and go to some type of more supported independent model. They're recognizing that. And so I think that that's opened up an already deficient area in the retail space. And it's showing these advisors that there really is more that I can do outside of this captive environment. My manager doesn't really help me anyway. My operations people tend to just get in my way and they're sort of business prevention. And so let's have that conversation. So I think these are the things that are, to me, the glaring things that are coming out of this crisis. And if you're an advisor in one of those buckets, independent or retail, you should really be thinking ahead, planning for the worst and hoping for the best. Again, that could be, hey, my firm is good. I get it. Work from home has been really easy. They've been supportive of me working from home. I heard one firm that you can't even print at home. You're printing stuff and they're having to go back to the office anyway, which boggled my mind. Another firm 
I was talking to an advisor. They were like bragging about the fact that they just got approved to do Zoom calls with their clients. I couldn't even believe that. I didn't understand what he meant. I thought it was like a new new service model. Like, oh yeah, we got approved to do Zoom. I'm like, well, what do you mean Zoom? Is that a new like asset management program? Just to do Zoom calls, sort of like what we're doing right now. And I didn't quite understand. And it was just showed me that that particular firm was just behind the times in terms of what's the minimum standard to just operate in this, in this world today. My parting words are, do your due diligence. Think ahead, operate, even if you're a sole practitioner, as if you are a business owner running a business and you were going to have to make decisions that you couldn't make over a weekend that took time. So do your due diligence, give us a call, work with somebody, look around and kick the tires and understand what you have at your current firm and what you don't have. If you're at a small firm, independent firm, I would say it's more glaring for you guys. You really need to make sure you're out in front of this thing. You don't want to be surprised with some decisions that your owner of the firm made and you're not ready. So anyway, with that said, I'm glad you joined. This is sort of a new thing for me too, doing these podcasts. Not like we used to do them before with staff and everybody setting everything up. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you have any questions or comments, you can shoot me an email at frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com. You can always obviously DM me on Instagram at franklarosa.elite. Go to our iTunes, Spotify. If you like what we are doing here and you like what we're talking about in the content, if I could just ask you to leave a review, leave a rating, share the podcast with a friend. Uh, we have a whole bunch of them on here. So there's all different topics that we talk about. Keep the information coming in, the questions coming in, because we like to just talk about what's relevant today. Our podcasts are done every week, and we really just talk about what's being asked of us during the week. So that they are very relevant at the time. So thank you very much. And I look forward to having you join us again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.